UMGoBlue.com. By fans, for fans, since 1999. Hello, welcome to this very special edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with... Clint Derringer. And we have the honor to preview Michigan's Big Ten Championship game in Indianapolis. The first time that the Wolverines have made it to Indy. Well, Clint, how do you feel about this one? Well, I was rooting for Minnesota to beat Wisconsin so that uh, Michigan would get this Iowa matchup as opposed to having to try to beat Wisconsin again. Um, Number one, I think it's just tough to beat a a team a second time, right? The the game planning gets much more complex. Uh, But also, I think Iowa, uh, it's a more advantageous matchup for, for Michigan. In my opinion, we'll you know we'll talk more about the details on, on both sides of the ball. But um, even if Michigan does end up with somewhat of a uh, post Ohio State hangover, I just I don't think Iowa's ninety second ranked SP plus offense, uh, you know, can strike quick enough or, or roll to enough points. Even if Michigan gets off to a slow start. I don't think Iowa can can put up a big lead that that would cause a bunch of problems. So I I like our chances better against the Hawkeyes um, for a couple of those reasons. But uh, I tell you what, they're the Hawkeyes are not going to roll over the way that the Buckeyes did. Um, that's uh, it's a tough team, and they are built um, on defense specifically. They are built you know from the inside out, you know, starting with their linebackers, very much. This defense reminds me very much of the uh, the Wisconsin defense um, that Michigan struggled to run against, um, but but did find some success in the air. So it's an interesting matchup, and uh, I think one that favors Michigan as long as they can play their best game. Uh, you know, as we've said a couple times this season. So I have bad memories of Iowa. So and. Of course, nothing related exactly to this year, but my very first Michigan game was in 1981, and number five Michigan played number 12 Iowa at the Big House. Um, For those following along, it happened to be Bob Eufer's last game. So my first game at at Michigan Stadium was Bob Eufer's last. Meant a lot to me because I was a big Eufer fan and a big Michigan fan, but... Despite Anthony Carter scoring a touchdown in our end zone, I was sitting in the student section. Michigan lost by a score of 9-7. to So Iowa always has a, uh, leaves a bitter taste. Also, um, in 2013, um, me and my family traveled to Iowa, and it was the last game that I saw with my dad before he passed away, and Michigan lost by a score of 24 to 21. So have some have some not so great memories about Iowa, hoping to dispel those in this Big Ten championship game. I have to say that the West Division has been such a mess this year. I really didn't know who was going to come out of it. Um, I do like this matchup, other than the negative memories I have about Iowa. I think that out of the teams that could have emerged – as you said, um, not only do I think it's difficult to beat a team twice, I think that 
Wisconsin is a much better team now than the team that Michigan dispatched earlier in the season. So I like this matchup. Um, Clint, what does the SP Plus project? The SP Plus projections were Michigan by 11.1 points. Um, usually there's a, there's an adjustment for home or away team, but with this one being a true uh, neutral site game in Indianapolis, um, it's just the difference of their two SP Plus ratings. So um, this one, Michigan, uh, I think right now in, in Vegas, uh, on the lines that I've seen, is favored by 10.5. So SP Plus um, picks Michigan to win and also to, uh, to cover the spread. So it's interesting because we do have a true neutral fight, and I think that that does work against Iowa to a certain extent. Um, it does seem to me that they're a better home team than a, than a road team. Now, it is going to be interesting because the word we're hearing as far as demand for tickets that both Michigan, the Michigan fan base and the Iowa fan base are both projected to travel well. So we'll have to see how it breaks out. Clint, how do you feel, um, you know, we've talked about the SP Plus and obviously we're kind of in uh, new territory here. How much hangover do you think Michigan might have after that huge win over Ohio State? Honestly, I think we've we've talked a lot about the leadership um, from Michigan's locker room and, and the players, the seniors, the, the upperclassmen, the the best players on both sides of the ball, who um, Harbaugh is kind of calling the ones, the, the the players that Michigan wouldn't be in this spot if not for them. Hassan or or Aiden would be our most valuable player. Um, two guys along with um, Andrew Vistardis. Brad Hawkins, uh, Jake Moody, um, there was Brad Robbins, uh, Andrew Stuber, Ryan Hayes. Um, you know, there's there's a group of those guys that you know, I call them the ones. You know, they're the ones with without them, uh, you know, we wouldn't be where we are. Um, so incredible. Uh, Incredible performance again by Hassan, by by, uh, and also Josh Ross uh, would be would be the would be the eight, I mean, and Ronnie Bell. Um, you know those eight. You know, I call them the ones. Without them, we wouldn't be where we're at. Um, and and so many other guys, uh, so many guys that were you know, committed, didn't flinch, didn't didn't just fold at the you know, slightest whiff of adversity um it just kept kept going kept preparing kept working and um and where it shows is in the production i mean just just the way that uh so many produced uh ronnie bell you know who's who's obviously still um involved with the team activities and 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 leading by example as, as much as possible without being able to play um hassan haskins who you know gets mentioned almost every week as as putting the team on his back, um, and, and certainly that was true last week against Ohio State. So with that being a strength of Michigan's, uh, that uh, the leadership really keeping the 
the team focused on the task at hand. We haven't seen that that you know since you and I have been discussing this this team, we haven't seen really a lack of focus be a, a problem. Right, uh, Michigan has failed to execute in uh, certain spots, and they've made mistakes certainly. But at no time this year did they look like they were they were out of sorts or, or uh, lacking focus. And even in games, um, you know that that would be considered trap games, whether it was before the Michigan State game or that uh, that road trip to Maryland before playing the Buckeyes, right? Michigan really was able to to focus in on the task at hand. So, I I've heard a, a couple of the interviews um, with players and with coaches. You know, there was a lot of uh, you know jubilation after the game, but almost to a man on Sunday and on Monday, all of them said that they were very quick to turn the page because their goals for the season were were to win a championship. And uh, obviously to do that, you have to be able to beat Ohio State. They prepared extra to make sure that they were on the same level with Ohio State and accomplished that goal. But but all of that was still within the realm of, of being the best team in the division, in the conference, and uh, giving themselves the chance to, to compete for a national title. And, and here they are. Well, it's interesting because if we think back to the wake of the defeat by Michigan State, Michigan said, to a man, everything is ahead of us. It's a four-game season. And they went out and they executed in that four-game season. Even before Ohio State, Coach Harbaugh said, Both teams uh, have a lot on the line. Um, it's, a, it's a true playoff in that sense. In the, in the college football playoff world, I mean, this is, this is the start of the playoffs. Um, you know, the team that wins will advance. Uh, the team that doesn't won't. That's really what's interesting right now is that as great as this four-game season, this mini-season has been, you know, it can all evaporate with a disappointing loss to Iowa. I'm not looking for that, but, you know, this does kind of remind me a little bit of the 2016 season where, Michigan was ranked number two playing Iowa, and they lost 14-13. to You know, what most people remember in that 2016 season is, of course, uh, JT was short, right, the double overtime game in Columbus. But two weeks before that, Michigan dropped a road game to Iowa, and it was quite surprising. Michigan was number two at the time. I think one of the key things is the offense is – multifaceted it's it's definitely firing on all the cylinders and i think that this is a truly neutral site game and it appears that michigan will have quite a contingent there and as you said this team has been focused they have a whole new set of goals that have opened up right it's it's kind of like a video game where you get past a certain gate and you're in a bonus level right now well that level includes a Big Ten championship, a college football playoff berth, and potentially a national championship, which, you know, nobody would have predicted prior to this season. I know you and I didn't predict it, but, man, we're going to take it. And I think one of the things that, you know, that I'm seeing is, you know, you have the opportunity. Um, you know, all the cosmic tumblers have, have come together, 
And you really want to, it appears that this team is peaking at the right time. And, you know, looking at it, I think that, um, you know, I know that uh, the SP Plus is calling for a closer game. I think at this point, I'd be disappointed if Michigan doesn't win by two or three touchdowns. Now, again, it's easy to say that, you know, I'm not playing, but um, the the offense just seems to be firing so well and the defense seems to be peaking. You know, I think the, the question I have is when you're game planning this, you know, how many things do you want to show, right? How many things do you want to open up? Um, obviously, we saw that Michigan saved a little bit for Ohio State. And yet, when I go back and watch the film, they still left a lot on the bone. There were options and plays that they, we haven't seen yet. There's possibilities. And, you know, I'm excited to see this team really, um, again, have, uh, you know, I don't know if it's possible that it's a bigger stage than the Michigan-Ohio State game, one of the most watched football games of the last couple years. I don't know if the audience will be bigger for the Big Ten Championship, but definitely I think this Michigan team has the attention of the nation, and I think it's real important for them to play strong and you know, look good heading into the college football playoffs. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Um, I don't really see uh, a path that if Michigan wins the Big Ten championship, even in a close game, right, where they don't particularly look great, but still find a way to beat Iowa and are 12-1 with, with a win over Ohio State last week. Um, I just don't see a path that they're not into the playoff. You know, but but crazy things have happened. I did see one particular playoff model that said Michigan's you know would be ninety percent to get into the playoff if they won the game, and, and I just I don't see that ten percent uh, possibility. But um, you know, crazier things I'm sure have happened. Um, the, all of that's out of the control of, of this team and, and these coaches, right? It, they've got to go out there and win a Big Ten title. And let uh, let the committee figure out the rest, and then prepare. You know, as far as how much you're going to put on film, regardless of who you're playing, right? Hypothetically, if you um, you know, assume that we beat Iowa and win the ten title, preparing for a first round game, um, that team is is going to have plenty of time to prepare before the semifinal games at the end of the month. Um, you know, so th- they're going to watch all 13 of your games. Um, you know, they're going to have full staff preparing, right? And, and and Michigan staff would be doing the same thing. And then also preparing for who you who you may see a week after that in the national title game. So um, I, I don't see any reason really to, uh, to hold back. I think you just put the best game plan together that what you, you know, what you think is going to work best to attack Iowa's weaknesses on both sides of the ball and then go out and execute. And I think Michigan has the, the more talented team with two programs that, that have really similar philosophies, very, very solid special teams. They want to give themselves every advantage possible in the um, position game. Um, they don't want to make mistakes on offense and they kind of want to challenge the other team to be able to execute um, and not make mistakes. And 
that has certainly been the the formula for Iowa. Iowa is is almost totally dependent on uh, their defense to create turnovers um, and give their offense a short field. Because, like I said, this is the lowest SP plus ranked offense that Michigan has gone against since uh, Indiana, or or if you look at their rankings going into the game, even Northwestern before that. So um, 92nd ranked offense in Iowa. They have a really, really solid offensive line in their run game, but don't really have a game-breaking running back. And they've got themselves somewhat of a quarterback controversy where – you know, the mediocre quarterback number one and, and mediocre quarterback number two are kind of trying to figure out who's got the hot hand. Um, and I think they're going to go with the uh, the upperclassman quarterback just because he um, may be a little bit more calm under pressure and, and fewer mistakes than uh, Padilla, the younger quarterback. So um, for me, it's just a matter of not beating yourself if you're Michigan. Uh, which has been, again, a strength of Michigan's offense. Cade McNamara has been very solid in his decision-making. Um, when there have been turnovers, the defense has stepped up. Um, I, I just I think that the, the complementary football and philosophy for both of these programs makes for kind of a tight game, but um, Michigan's firepower um, is really going to make the difference over – Iowa's lack of, of firepower. And then the, the last bit that I think is a really great matchup is for whatever reason, Iowa this year does not have the NFL bound offensive tackle on the outside. Um, they're, they're relatively weak on the outside of their offensive line. Their strength is in the middle with uh, their center who might be the best offensive lineman in the, in the big 10. But uh, on the outside, they're pretty weak which means they are going to have to double and maybe even triple team Aiden Hutchinson. And uh, that likely (laughs) we'll see what what they do against Hutchinson, but they're likely going to be singled up against uh, David Ojabo on the other side. So I I expect whichever quarterback is back there, he's going to be getting them rid of the ball quickly. And we'll see how uh, Mike McDonald tries to jump some of those uh, quick routes take away the first read for this this quarterback and uh make sure that your linebackers are 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 feeling on the on the inside run game and um you know just do what they've been doing and play a clean game so when i look at this iowa team i really focus in on what happened to them in the month of october they entered the month Blowing out Maryland 51-14, to they were highly ranked. They go into playing Penn State, and I'll tell you, I watched the Penn State-Iowa game in real time, and I came away from the game, and again, Iowa won, and I think most people remember that Penn State lost their quarterback in that game, but I came away from that Iowa-Penn State game thinking, you know what, I don't think either of these teams are great, okay? And... Um, you know, not to diss either one, but again, it was touted as these, you know, top five matchup. And I, I remember watching the game thinking, I don't, I don't think these teams are, are, you know, spectacular. Right. So right after that, Iowa pulled out the win against Penn state, you know, 
they get blown out by Purdue 24-7, and they get blown out by Wisconsin 27-7. And at the time, I remember thinking, yeah, I'm kind of, you know, not, not that surprised. Now, what I have to give them credit for is, you know, again, in that month where they entered, you know, just roaring and and really just whelped on the way out, you know, they pulled it together. And, yes, they may have just squeaked into the Big Ten championship game, but they're there. So I, I agree with you. I, I think um, having watched a lot of tape on Iowa, I don't see either quarterback um, threatening to to score. I'll be surprised if Iowa scores uh, more than two touchdowns in this game, okay? Um, I just I just don't see it. Um, now, there's a reason they play the games, right? And I do have... Like I said, historically negative feelings about Iowa, so I'm I'm genuinely hoping that uh, we can dispel those this week. But you know, I I think heading into this, you know, of course you want Michigan to win, you want Michigan to win convincingly, and you just want to to get out of this one. And you know, they're going to have practically a month. You know, all things if all things go the way we hope. They'll have a month to gear up for the first round of the college football playoffs. And, you know, one of the big things is who are they going to end up playing? So I think, um, you know, it's amazing where just last week I was hopeful they would beat Ohio State but really couldn't see past that. And and now there's so much on the table and, and the stakes are so high. It'll be interesting to see how this team responds. And I just don't see this Michigan team losing to Iowa. I just, I, you know, I, I sit here and try to think about multiple scenarios. I, I just can't see it. Yeah, a couple, couple of responses to, to what you said there. First, there is a lot on the table uh, in this game, of course, with uh, Big Ten title, birth in the college football playoff, national recognition, you know, all of that stuff, you know, tangible dollars right in the contract of Jim Harbaugh and other assistant coaches, right? There's millions of dollars on the line on whether they win this game or not. But it's hard for me to believe that there's more riding on this game emotionally for the players and for the coaches than what was riding on the game last week with Ohio state, right? There's a reason that our main concern is is an emotional hangover, Right, that the preparation for that Ohio State game was uh, eleven months in the making. Right, it was eleven games building up to that. Right, this game is 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 much more. You know, six good days of preparation, and then go play on the seventh day and, and put your best foot forward. This is going to feel much more like business as usual, I think, um, in comparison to the the absolute monster of an emotional task that, that was the Ohio state game. So, I mean, I, that's, that's just my outside perspective. Um, but I, I would imagine that this team will be, will be focused and come out with, with the right amount of energy on Saturday night. Um, the other thing that you mentioned, the, the October part of the season for Iowa, really that, that month is uh, really interesting because they play four, what we would consider, I think, four solid offenses or at least competent offenses in a row, right? After Iowa started out, nobody could do anything against Iowa's defense, and Iowa's defense was scoring a ton of points on on, on defensive touchdowns. 
in September. And then it turned to October. They play the game with Maryland. And what we know from our, our preparation for Maryland and, and Talia Tungavailoa is that he's a risk-taking quarterback. That's a quarterback that is almost tailor-made to get chopped up by this Iowa defense. Taking chances and pressing the ball down the field into coverage, trying to make a play as a gunslinger, is the absolute wrong mentality against what we're going to see from Iowa. Iowa loves to sit back and play their their base defense and, and slight variations off of their cover two and challenge you to be boring, right? They they basically dare you to be boring because if you get bored and antsy and want to press the ball down the field and try to be explosive, they're going to victimize you. That's That's what their whole philosophy is. Well, Michigan's offensive philosophy is, yeah, we'll take the boring drives. We'll, we'll we'll go four and a half yards at a time and march down and score. That 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 doesn't bother Jim Harbaugh or Josh Gaddis at all. So it's a really different comparison to that to that Maryland game. Although Maryland is a is a solid offense, you know they only put up fourteen points. Then Penn State comes in and Penn State is absolutely ripping Iowa in the beginning of that game. Before Sean Clifford got hurt, Penn State was going to win that game. They were up. 14 nothing and I thought that it was 17 maybe 17 to 3 at at one point when when Sean Clifford got hurt and then the backup quarter for Penn State the backup quarterback for Penn State was totally uh over his head and and, and just could not execute uh the offense the same way that Sean Clifford could and and Penn State could not hold on um without being able to give their defense a break Right, and, and that game ended up being twenty three twenty, a comeback win for Iowa, that was mostly Penn State's lack of ability to to move the chains. Um, then Purdue, another legit legitimate passing offense, comes in and uh, goes to Kinnick and beats Iowa twenty four to seven. You know, pretty soundly. David Bell looked in that game very similar to how. Uh, David Bell looked against the Spartans, right? He had over 200 yards receiving. And the biggest difference in that game and the following week against Wisconsin is the uh, Big Ten defensive back of the year, Riley Moss, the corner, who has multiple touchdowns in early in the game or in a game early this season. I think he scored three touchdowns this season. Didn't play in those two games. So in all the games that I was had, Riley Moss at corner, They've won. The two games that he did not play because of an injury, they've lost. So uh, he's back. He's playing just fine right now. So we're definitely getting uh, the better version of Iowa's defense. But uh, when he wasn't there, Purdue was able to pass the ball all over them. Wisconsin had no interest in passing and just executed their run game and also beat them 27-7. to So... Purdue and Wisconsin back to back beat Iowa in back to back weeks, fifty-one to fourteen. One has a passing offense that's legitimate; the other has a running offense that's legitimate. I would argue that Michigan's running attack is better than Wisconsin's, and their passing attack is um, not quite as dangerous as Purdue's uh, with David Bell but is at least competent, certainly much more competent than, than what you got out of Graham Mertz in Wisconsin. So whatever Iowa is giving to Josh Cass on offense, 
Michigan will take, and I expect them to be efficient and move the chains and create scoring opportunities, and hopefully they can continue to cash it in in the red zone. And once Michigan's up, uh, you know, if you off to a good start and can get out to a lead of, you know, double digits, maybe 10 points, then good luck trying to protect your quarterback back there, Spencer Petrus, because the, the tackles on the outside are just going to have no chance against Hutchinson and Ojabo. So you talked about the money on the line for the coaches. What I'm looking for in this game is, of course, I want to win. Of course, I want a victory. But I think the way that the profile of this team has been elevated by that huge win over Ohio State. You know, there's talk right now that Aiden Hutchinson may be the top pick in the NFL draft. Jim Harbaugh floated that out there, um, and, and it's been picked up. When that happens, you know, a, a rising tide raises all boats, right? I think that everyone is getting a closer look. So the opportunity here, not only for Aiden Hutchinson, but also for David Ajabo and, and other guys who are getting looked at for the NFL is, listen, this is a chance to make a lot of money, okay, for them. If they can come out here, Take care of business. You know, if we think about the NFL, it's much less an emotional game and more business. So I think that this is an opportunity for the players to come out. They're expected to win. Come out, take care of business, put some good performances on tape, and put yourself in a good position for the draft. So not only is this an opportunity for the coaches, I think, um, again, Aiden Hutchinson would love to be the number one pick. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, that can happen for him. And, you know, again, we'd love to see as many Michigan players as possible, you know, sneak up in the draft, possibly move into the first round. And I think that, you know, this is going to be a big opportunity for that. Yeah. And we've said multiple times, right? The, your best players have to make the biggest plays in the, in the critical moments. Well, you know, this is what Harbaugh has been saying the last couple of weeks. You know, this is for all the marbles. This is, this is the biggest moment. This is the biggest 60 minutes of the season, right? And this is why you prepared all the way back, you know, right from the very last minute of the last game that you played last year in the big house against Penn State when, when you started preparing for 2021 – it was to put yourself into this position. So, you know, the same guys that have stepped up in big spots, you know, this is the next big spot. And, and to your point about all the individual accolades and and, and other uh, rewards and, and draft stock and all that stuff, that stuff will definitely take care of itself. But what, what those scouts and what, what people are going to be looking for is who who can do it in the most important uh, moments in this coming game. And if it's a close game in the second half, who's going to be able to come through in crunch time? If, if Michigan's able to get off to a good start and kind of take Iowa out of their game plan, who is it that's really leading that emotional rush, that, that emotional tide at the beginning? So um, I, I, I really feel confident that Michigan's going to come forward with the right enthusiasm and energy and focus 
I do trust the staff to have a very solid game plan. I think there are um, there are weaknesses uh, on Iowa's defense and, and weaknesses to Iowa's offensive unit that Michigan can attack. So um, I don't see any reason that this should be a, a clunker, but Iowa is uh, certainly capable of, of tangling things up, making a mess, and kind of turning this into a rock fight. And you know what? Uh, we saw Michigan um, step forward in games like that also, uh, both in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, against the Cornhuskers with a fourth-quarter comeback victory, and uh, certainly in Happy Valley against Penn State with uh, a fourth-quarter comeback victory. So regardless of how it looks, I expect uh, Michigan to, to do what is necessary. Um, I think Iowa's a, a better matchup than anybody else from the West. So get out there, play your best uh, version of football, and uh, we'll see We'll see if Iowa can stand up to, um, to the onslaught um, and, and to Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. And uh, we'll see what kind of passing game attack and, and, and creativity that Josh Gaddis has as well to, to throw into the mix. Well, we'll have a lot to talk about after this one. So that's going to do it for this edition of the UMGoBlue.com podcast. This is Phil Callahan along with Clint Derringer. Go Blue. Thank you for listening to the UMGoBlue.com podcast. All rights reserved. Search for UMGoBlue.com on iTunes. Go Blue.